What's up, everybody? This is Kyle Krieger, and I am one half of the team at Lighthouse Educator Development and Value as Value. And I want to welcome you to this episode of the Value as Value podcast, along with Wilkie Law. We started this podcast three years ago to help teachers become the kind of teacher their kids deserve. And we're so thrilled to be joined by you on this journey and to have you be a part of our uh, teaching community. So you're here because you want to get better. You want to be that teacher your kids deserve. You want to be that teacher your kids need. And we hope to help you become that teacher by sharing our stories and the stories of educators from around the country of how they built their craft through experience, how they continue to sharpen their skill set through reflection, and how they're leveraging their authenticity to be the change that we need to see in our kids. So we're thrilled that you're here and we're so glad you joined us. But before you do that, if you don't mind hitting the subscribe button, we'd really appreciate it and sharing this episode if you find value. If you want to find us outside of this podcast, you can do that on YouTube uh, as Value Adds Value. And as well, you can find us on Facebook as Lighthouse Educator Development or Twitter and Instagram. You can find us at Value Adds Value. But for now, we hope you enjoy this episode of the Value Adds Value podcast. Everybody, welcome to Halftime Adjustments brought to you by Lighthouse Educator Development, which is myself, Kyle Krieger, and Wilkie Law III. We are, we are thrilled to have you here. Uh, myself, Kyle Krieger, I am a an eighth grade geography teacher at Seven Hills Prep Academy in the Twin Cities. Uh, this is my ninth year in the teaching profession, seven years of which I spent in Houston, Texas, but now I'm living uh, back close to home in Minnesota where I grew up. Uh, Will, you want to take the time to introduce yourself? What up, everybody? Will, Wilkie Law the third, coming from Houston, Texas, born and raised. Um, 13th year in education, uh, 6th grade math teacher at M. Jones Middle School in Aldean Independent School District, uh, and the co-host and co-founder of Lighthouse Educator Development and Value as Value podcast. Uh, excited to be here that you decided to join our session uh, to figure out how to make some halftime adjustments um, as you're moving into the second half of the year. Yeah, and and to echo that, uh, we hope you'll take the time to win this uh session is over to follow us on uh, Instagram and Twitter. We are at value as value and you can find Wilkie as at its.will.law.iii. If you want to follow another one of our programs, you can follow the Music and Arts Collective, which is a student program that we also have in Houston. But the purpose uh, of this session, like Will said, is to help teachers make the necessary adjustments to improve in the second half. And when we toyed with this purpose, we wanted to talk about success, we wanted to talk about winning, but truly as teachers, it, it's all about just improving our craft and continuing to do better for our kids. So to get us started, when we came up with this concept of halftime adjustments, we thought about our histories as athletes and sports fans and all those things. And, and, you know, you see in movies and if you're lucky to have played sports or been around sports, you've had that halftime meeting, that halftime session where you just, you got it right. And for a lot of us, as we're going into this, this season where we're on Christmas break, we're trying to get it together. There's going to be some of us that have really struggled through the first half. 
And I think it's fair to say that everybody's probably struggled to some degree in the first half. So the first thing we have to do is talk about what did you learn? What did we learn collectively as teachers in the first half? And, and this really could be defined by anything. What did you learn about your kids? Do you know who they are? Do you have real relationships with them? Do you understand the context in which they live? And have you been engaged with them in the learning process? Are you understanding what works for individual students? And for me, individual classes. So one of the things I'm still trying to learn, especially in this first half and through the first half of my teaching career, is that every class is different. Your, your first period class and your seventh period class can be two different things. And, and Will, I wanted you to touch on, on that point of having different classes because we've talked about this you know, individually together about how you are able to really learn about your different classes and what they need. Well, I think it goes beyond just learning the classes. It's learning yourself. And who do you have to become in each one of those classes to meet the needs of those students? Uh, that's something we started talking about at the very beginning when we first started having our conversations. And it's important for every teacher to realize that in everything that I do with my students, not only am I learning what my students are doing, how they respond to certain learning, how they respond to, such, respond to certain stimuli, but I also have to figure out how do I respond to their learning? How do mm. I respond to the stimulus that they mm. give me? And that's so important because especially when you're looking at it, I'm a daily reflector. So I, I like to sit every single day and think about it. I, I always say the first 15 minutes when I get home, I don't like to be bothered. I like to come home, get undressed and, and, and get my clothes changed and just kind of sit in a state of what happened throughout that day. And what I choose to do is during these holiday months, when it's easy to kind of go into um, coast mode because, you know, you have your holiday things. I think last week we had uh, two different field trips on two different days to go to the Renaissance Festival that took our entire music uh, performing arts department and then our entire theater department in two days. So, you know, when you think about the dynamic of what's happening and we're not, we're just now into November. Uh, so I choose to take this time to really begin to take a, a, a magnifying glass on what I'm doing every single day and how what I'm doing today what is either my response to something happened in the beginning or my student's response to something that happened in the beginning. And so you have to look at those lessons and say, what did I learn? How can I use what I've learned? And how can I prevent or create more of those situations and those moments that I've that I've gained throughout this throughout this first half because they're not all bad, they're not all great either. But they're not all bad, but there are some things that we definitely want to try to create again, and there are some things that we could probably say that you know we need to make sure we're not put in those situations ever again. Do you do you feel like in your reflection, and this is a question out to teachers, but also to you, Will? Do you feel like in your reflection you're always focused on the negative, the things that didn't go right? versus in the beginning yeah 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 because yeah. i mean because that's uh, but again when we play when we replay our highlight reel i say it all the time we replayed the negative things most of the time i would say maybe seven out of ten times when we're when we're replaying things in our life 
we replay those negatives because we feel like those are the ones that really taught us lessons. But the reality is we learn a lesson in every experience mm-hmm. and not just the bad ones. You know, the experience of a student hearing my voice six years after they've had my classroom and remembering how I made them feel in the classroom. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like remembering that, that that person, that person behind that voice was a person who comforted me, who helped me, who guided me, who I felt facilitated my growth and development as a human being. Um, so when you do it, you can't, you have to almost force yourself to look at what positive interactions. And those are questions that I ask myself, what positive interactions did I have with my kids today? Mm-hmm. You know, I look at my kid who couldn't sit down. How did I deal with that person today? Not in the, from a negative standpoint, but how did my engagement with that student change the classroom or change that child's behavior for that day? And again, it's not just always negative. A lot of it is looking at it from the standpoint of just what happened. Right. What happened. Right. Yeah. And, and I think two points off of what you said that I think are important for teachers is you have to, in the reflection, I especially want to reflect on the really good days and write down like, while it's fresh in my mind, like, what happened? What was the difference that made this happen? It reminds me of Jim Collins, and this is a book we, if you haven't read it, teachers, Jim Collins, Good to Great, is unbelievable. But his practice of classifying days as zero to two, so his days are either a zero, a one, or a two, and he tries to get as many days that are twos as he can, and he writes down what he did on those two days to try to keep doing those things that got him there. Mm-hmm. And and I think that is so powerful because we, I know in my past, and I'm sure teachers out there, you felt this, is that you have a really great day and you think it's just a fluke. Mm-hmm. But if you look at Or we accredit it to something else. Oh, everything oh, else aligned in the go. world. Oh, they were this, <laughs> there was, they were this. There was a full moon and it was Friday the 13th. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, yeah, you know, we, we, we typically do, we try to attach some other explanation to why something went the way it happened instead of saying, no, let me really get on a mirror lens and see what was being done and being said in those experiences. Not because of the, not because it was raining and the kids were tired, so they, they, they knew they couldn't go outside, so they're, they're more engaged, or not because they knew it was the end of the week and we were going to get to play games on the computer. None of that. What did, what happened in that moment? How did I, the teacher, yeah. uh, how, how did I, the teacher, really engage my students in that moment to get them to be what Jim Collins would say, a two, to create that, that experience that, that will be ranked as a two that I, would, I can reproduce? Because, again, if we think it's a fluke, then we can't reproduce it. We have to wait for all the stars to align again. And then what we do as teachers, that means that our educational success is some esoteric uh, experience that, that only comes around every once in a while. You know, so we kind of get ourselves caught into it, but being reflective and really understanding what, what am I learning and what am I gaining in these experiences really puts me in the driver's seat of those experiences. So, so teachers right here, if you want to pause and do some reflection and think about it, you should, but let's just assume that, that teachers have paused it they've done some reflection, and now they are going into the second half, they know what to expect. So how do they take that, that knowing what to expect and really, really squeeze it to, to make themselves more successful? 
think the first thing is listen to what you tell yourself. Whatever you told yourself in those reflections, listen to yourself. And, and once you listen to what you've said, make the adjustments based on what you said and not what you think. And that's hard because we, we think one way, but the reality is typically another way. And so if we really listen to our reflection, really pay attention to what we're writing down, pay attention to what, if it's a vlog, you know, that's one thing that I said for the second semester, I'm getting everything set up so that I can actually start vlogging because I want to hear my voice versus reading my writing. And you know me being in a doctoral candidacy. You're, you're over I'm, the writing. I'm so over writing right now. Like I, I am so over writing. Uh, but the the idea behind hearing my own voice say some things and being able to make the adjustments. I like having comments from my students to write in my classrooms because it gives me that student element in my class to say, how was the learning today? Whenever I try something new, how was the learning today? How was this? And again, I think when you know what to expect, you're not caught off guard. Oh, say that, say that one more time. When you know what to expect, you're not caught off guard. I mean, you're, you're a former basketball player. So when you think about it, when you think about it in a basketball game, once you've gone out there that first half, you've pretty much seen their best moves. You've seen their hardest defense. You've seen their best shooters take shots. You know their range. You know the little nuances they do when they get ready to make a move. If you're a student of the game, you're studying all of this. So by the time the second, I'm not off guard. So I see when you fluctuate your weight to the right side, you're really not going to the right. You're going to take a step back and move to your left. So I'm already going to be right there in your face. So now I'm going to force you to make adjustments because I've already made them. And I think too much in the classroom, teachers are on their heels because we're always mm. kind of, we're always playing back mm. because we're trying to get, you. oh, the students are coming, the students are coming. No, the students are coming, dig in. And now it's second half. I've had these kids. You know, I've had these kids. I tell kids all the time, if you're not learning me in the 12 weeks that you've had me, you're doing yourself a disservice. Because this first 12 weeks we've encountered already should have been setting you up for the next 12 weeks, which should get you ready for the next 12 weeks, which should tell you right now exactly how, who I am and who you are. So if we keep playing from our heels, you never can gain ground. Oh, You'll never gain oh, ground. Say that one more time. Say that one more time. So I think that's you, so important. That if you keep playing from your heels, you'll never gain ground. We can't. We can't. It's hard to run on your heels. Oh, you it's can't. And, and, it's, and every time, to use the basketball metaphors, every time you see somebody get really crossed up, it's because they were on their heels. And, and to some degree, if we're going to continue with the basketball references, some degree, your kids are going to be coming so hard at you that you just got to stop. And you got to plant yourself and you got to take that charge. You got to get it going. You got to go the other direction to show them like, no, you're, you're going too hard yeah. right here. You're going yeah, like too hard. And yes, you're trying to score. You're trying to get that. You're trying to, and most of these kids like metaphorically want to dunk on you or literally want to dunk on you, <laughs> but you got to stop them. You got to stop. Like say, no, 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 we, we got to, you, you got to put yourself in position to be successful. So, you know, when, I, when we were playing basketball, when I played basketball in middle school, my coach was very adamant about the triple threat position. Mm, uh, the position it. that you can actually shoot from, you can take off dribbling from, or you can pass from. And when you put yourself in that triple threat position, now what that does is it forces your opponent to make a decision. Am I going to guard the pass, the dribble, or the shot? One wrong decision 
will cause you to get get shook, you know, get your ankles broke, uh, get a really nice alley-oop assist going on you or get a three-point put in your face because you're out of position. And I think as educators, we have to kind of put ourselves in a proverbial, proverbial um, three, uh, uh, triple threat position to where our kids, because we have to stand between them and failure. Because our kids, I mean, believe it or not, our kids are really, most of them are trying really hard to fail. And I know that sounds crazy in today's society, but because they, they're comfortable just being. They haven't yet learned that, that hard work, determination, grit, those things that, that makes you who you are outside of school. Those are the same things that can make you in the school. So how can I take these tools and use them to grow? And so when we know what to expect, when we know what our kids are throwing at us, I'm teaching in a very urban, suburban environment. So I have very privileged kids that have a kind of a hood mentality, you know, so you kind of got to meet them where they are. And are all of my kids that way? No, but they're in that environment. And, and so now I know, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, I would love for you to come back to, or, or, cause this is something you talked about. Like, you know, we were talking about how teachers get on our heels. We can, but I think you should, I think it's a good position to be in where you can keep kids on their heels. Absolutely. Where you keep them, they don't know what's coming next. And and for us, it's not negative. If we if we go go scoring buckets on them, they're gonna be like, What in the world is going on? I'm getting beat. That's where we want kids to not know what to expect, to be doing right. to have to have that full experience of like, oh hey, you know, if I'm a teacher and, and the same thing, the kids are gonna make adjustments to us. If I'm gonna dribble to my right every time and then try to spin, eventually that kid is either gonna pop it from behind or some, <laughs> some other kid's gonna come around and steal it. And then as mm -hmm. a teacher, you are figuratively going to get dunked on. <laughs> so, you, you know, it, it's not a bad thing to keep their kids on their heels and have them- And it's something as simple as this. When you're coming back from the second half, mix up your seating arrangements, change mm. up your room dynamics. Something very simple that'll keep them coming in like like the other day when I changed from 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 couples from a pair of groups to groups of four. The kids walked in like, oh, whoa, what are we about to do now? They didn't know how to take it. They didn't know, are we finna do a group project? Is he gonna force us to do cooperative learning? Is he gonna force this on us? Are we what's going on? And then the entire time I had their attention because now they wanna know what's gonna happen. So again. Coming back from that break, when you have that break in, whenever it comes, coming back and having them guessing what's going to go on. Because again, if it, I, I love the, I love being predictable. I, I think I am probably the most predictable person. My, my routine and my things are pretty much consistent across the board. Yeah. But in the classroom, I try my best to make sure that kids get a different experience once they feel comfortable in a certain area, if you're learning in this environment, let's shift it. Yeah. You know, yeah. We, we spent a lot of time watching the Serengeti show uh, on, on the Discovery Channel, and it blew our minds how the mother cheetah would put her kids in different hunting environments. And she would not walk away from them until she felt as if they've mastered hunting and the kill in various environments. So it could be anywhere between one to two years that they're riding the coattails of their mom but then all of a sudden, you would see her take them out to an area, watch them hunt, and, and while they're engaged in a hunt, she would walk away. Not to go eat with them, but she would just walk away and she would look back and see, okay, they're on the hunt. 
So we have to realize that sometimes our kids are ready to move on and we're not ready to move on from them. And sometimes our kids are not, and they just need to be put in another environment to where it stimulates that learning. It stimulates that, that cognitive development that they want. But again, it's up to us to put them in those environments where they can show it. And the last thing, uh, and this was, this was the, the last piece that you brought up, uh, talk about the, the zero, zero mentality that teachers got to have when they go back. You know, and I can't take full credit for this. I have to give a shout out to my, my principal, the man, the myth, Marcus Pruitt uh, at Jones Middle School, uh, who has proven to me to be everything that people said. Um, he said to us in a meeting to make sure we hit the reset button when our kids came back for the second quarter. And I know some teachers didn't buy into that. I did. And I had a conversation with each one of my blocks about now we're at zero zero again that report carding grading period we can't even we can't even we have too much ahead of us to focus on what we did behind us so we're we're moving forward and so hitting that reset reset button and going to a zero game again what it does for me as a teacher it gives me new opportunities to show what it does for me as a student it gives me new opportunities to show so again Hitting that reset button is is kind of critical because, again, one of the hardest things we know, kids coming back from any type of weekend vacation, don't let it be Thanksgiving where it's a whole week or Christmas where it's two weeks. Two weeks. And we know they're coming back where they've done nothing academic most, most of the time. No structured academic time. Um, and now we're expecting them to come back. And for most of us, we're getting into the test. Uh, state testing season as soon as we come back from the, those holiday breaks and we want them to be fully engaged so in order to do that we have to kind of hit that reset button I spent an entire 45 minute block having a full conversation with my kids about expectations classroom principles uh, at morning affirmations re rebooting the re routines talking about how 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 we do things what are the signals for if we have to use a restroom? What are the signals if we have to sharpen a pencil? Do we just yell out? Do we just scream out? Do we disrespect one another? Do like all of these conversations and they're like, but Mr. Law, we already talked about it. Absolutely. And I'm glad you remembered it. But if I never revisit it, then you wouldn't think it was important to me. Mm -hmm. And he said something to us in that meeting. He said, kids, it, it will become important to kids when it becomes important to us. Mm -hmm. When we make it a, a priority, the kids will make it a priority as much as they try not to. But the, 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 the key in that is making sure that when we do make it a priority, that we include the student's voice and we include the student in that decision-making process. So when we started zero, zero, my question to the kids was, based on what we've done already, what can I do differently? That's a hard pill to swallow. Because now you got to listen to kids, <clears throat> be honest with you and say, hey, um, I think you talk too much. I, I, I think you go off on students too much. Or I think you yell too much. One of the teachers shared with me that one of her, she put that top there and her student said, you yell too much. And they didn't realize it. And they started going back in their own mind and saying, I can't see moments where I do. It could come off as, I, as if I'm yelling because, you know, mm -hmm. whatever reason. And yeah. so. I think we have to do that. And one of the mantras that we started in my classroom this nine weeks, uh, I, I, I told him, I say, instead of making excuses, we're going to make adjustments. 
I say, when you're talking and, and, and I ask you a question or someone asks you a question, think in your mind, is this an excuse? And if it is, let's reframe that excuse to make it, make it into an adjustment. Now, don't say, oh, I was late because, because they released us late from PE. That's an excuse. Let's reframe it. And how do we reframe it? We can say, yeah, I was late, Mr. Law. Uh, I'll make sure that, that I'll get ready for PE and get out of the gym and get out of there faster. That's an adjustment. The fact that you're late, you don't have to explain that you're late. You're already late. What are we going to do to prevent this from happening again? And I think when we, we get in, we've gotten so used and comfortable in our society of allowing people to make excuses. You know, we hear that schools being like a family. Well, families enable each other. You know, that's the reason we still have that old drunken uncle that no one's called onto the carpet about why haven't you gone to get help about your drinking? Because that's just what he does. He's going to grab him a 12-pack every day and finish it when he gets off work. That's Uncle Blow Blow. And so we enable him. And we allow his excuses to what happened to him before to be it when he should be making adjustments. And we should be forcing people to make adjustments because that's the only way we're going to get better, not by excuses. Mm. And that's going to hit us right to our 20 minute time cap. But folks, we appreciate you checking out this video, Halftime Adjustments. If you want to work with us, there's some options that you have. You can hit us up on social media at value adds value at its.will.law.iii. You can send us an email. Uh, you can find that on our website, theledproject.com. But if you want to be a part of our PLC, which we're creating online, go to patreon.com backslash value adds value. And as always, we would love for you to listen to the value adds value podcast. So we thank okay. you for your time and have a great rest of your break and make those adjustments going into the 2020 part of the year and be ready to win. Before we get started on this episode, everybody, we want to take a chance to talk to you about a platform and a company that we believe in, and that's Nearpod. Now, we've had a relationship with Nearpod for over a year now, and it is by far the best educational platform we've ever used. What Nearpod is, is a presentation and engagement tool that you can use with your students. The things we love about it is you can create lessons that can either be paced by you, the teacher, or you can create lessons that allow your students to work at their own pace. And it's interactive. And one thing they've just added that makes it so much easier is it can integrate with Google Slides and Focat. So, if you want to try Nearpod for free, go to this website, go.nearpod.com backslash value adds value. That's go.nearpod.com backslash value adds value to try Nearpod for free.